6: for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right.
3: That's right. right,
4: right, right. Yeah.
1: Welcome to J.ill,
0: yeah. a production of
1: iHeartRadio.
3: Yeah.
0: What's up, everybody? Everybody within listening ears, welcome yet again to J.L, the podcast. My name is Joe Scott, and I'm here with my sister friends, uh, Laia St. Clair.
5: Yes, bonjour, 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 bonjour.
0: Okay, Paulie and the lovely Aja Graydon Danzler. What's up, what's up, what's up? (laughs) Listen. If you, if you do not have a, a group, a couple, you don't need a lot. You really don't. You don't have a couple of friends where you could just <sighs> go to the water and lay it down. Come on. I, I suggest you go outside. Okay? You've been in the house too long. <laughs> as much as I love you listening to a podcast, I want you to go outside and say mm-hmm. hi to somebody because they're interesting. Because there's something about the way their sister put that, that anklet on. That made you say hello. You never oh, know when England. you can make a
5: friend. We are so- yeah.
0: Come on, anklet. Yeah, okay. it's the little things that make you look at somebody and say, "Huh, I think I, I think I like you." Hello, and it starts just like that. You never know. I have a sister friend. Uh, well, we all do. Shoot, this is everybody's sister friend. Girl. Sister friend, right here. Okay. In the head. And everywhere else, child, and in their heart and in their minds, she is the reason why we say do the work, huh? Huh? Yeah. Word. Yeah. Listen. Everybody, please welcome the grand <laughs> Miss Iyanla Van Zant. Yeah. I hold her All, All of us serve
1: some applause. I'm
0: sorry. I'm swamped. <laughs> you know, <it's> <laughs> so applause so is it's Applaus, in applause, applause. Oh man, yeah. It's so good to see you and hear you.
7: Yes, it's good to see you and hear you too. Yes. We
0: Listen, it's, it's, it's so many questions to ask. It's so many thoughts to share, but we're going to just start with what's on your heart?
7: My heart? Yeah. Mm, so much. So much. Let me say good morning to the posse. <laughs> That's what I call them. That's the posse. I recently attended um, Fashion Week in New York, and one of the um, showings was for all new uh, designers of color. And so (laughs) that was so exciting. There were 12 of them and they I mean, it was just amazing how creative and and wonderful these designers were. And at the same time for me, um, being a woman of my age, (laughs) some of the things that I observed were very disturbing. And now I, re- I can understand how my grandmother felt when I wore platform shoes and hot pants, when she told me i was going straight to hell. <laughs> <laughs> but some of the things that I saw. So one of the things that's on my heart is young women, particularly young women of color. Some of the things that I see in here, I, I, I don't understand. And I talk to them sometimes. And sometimes they're just angry and rude. And so they don't want to talk. And That's on my heart.
0: We discussed this. Yeah. We discussed this quite a bit because um, the one thing that we can't do is distance ourselves to a point where we can't reach one or two or five or nine. You know? because I don't like everything either. I don't. Sometimes I feel that what somebody is worn is inappropriate to a place. Like I don't I can't quite understand why you would choose to rock out like that. Then I try to make it wrap my mind around it and say, okay, that's a choice. That's somebody's choice. You don't have to understand it. That's that lady's body and her and her time and you know how she wants to be perceived today. I do think, I do think that most everybody looks like a, pro- a prostitute. I do. I said it. I do. I do. I struggle do. with that, but I said what I said. If you look. If you look at 1980s and 1990s prostitutes, y'all know I love the holes, right? Every, every city I go to, I have to go find the holes because the holes tell you how the city is doing. That's my, that's my opinion. I, it's like my little trip into anthropology. Well, if we love the holes, why
1: do we vilify their clothing?
0: Well, they're sex workers and they're dressed to sell sex. Is that not the case? Is that not the case?
1: It's true, but I mean, that is true. That is the uniform or the accepted uniform of one who might sell sex. But that's not always what
0: people who sell sex wear. Well, it it used to be. It used to be the exact uniform for what people who sell sex wear. Well, if you go to Canada, uh, I can't have I have in Toronto, the prostitutes wear like um, I know,
1: and that's why I'm, I'm. That's why I'm slow walking this conversation because I already know that she's ahead of me
0: in this. She I'm knows not, this. Subject. I'm just completely interested. I'm completely interested. Like they wear, they look like they're on their way to um to their secretary job, and that lets me know how like how the mentality of Canadians are when it comes to you know this was a while ago. I haven't really been able to go see what I what I saw, but back then. Um, they used to look like secretaries or they were, you know, in their senior year of college or something. You know, I was
7: like, oh, well, that's because Americans are so hypocritical Come on. about sex. And, you know, we have to uh, make it their fault and we have to make them wrong and make them bad. My my concern is that you know, those who control the words and images control, control the, minds the minds of the people. Minds. And my concern with the young people is that their minds are so controlled that they follow along without question, that they are so into external validation, that there are pieces and parts within them that are not whole and healthy. And that would lead them to dress or to present themselves in the world in such a way that doesn't really honor who they are. Not because, you know, I, I won't say they they look like hoes, but they look like they're not clear about who they are. And that troubles me <laughs> in the 21st century that you would do that. I mean, I won't even go to the clothing. I'll go to young people who are, who are tatted from the top of their head to their feet, everywhere. Every, neck, hands, armpits.
0: where where you going looking like that you think we sound like old ladies
5: yeah because i was thinking you know it's funny i was just sitting here thinking i was like do you guys think they look at that as like as freedom there was a time when you couldn't work with all that tat on now there's a time where you you have to be inclusive you have to be diverse you have to not judge somebody on what they look
7: like from the outside so Listen, there some places ain't going to hire you with all that stuff going on.
5: Oh, yeah. And they don't want, but they don't want them jobs, though, y'all. They, I, that's yeah, the that's great, right?
1: They actually don't want to be there. Right. And when I think about external validation, I feel that we've expressed this this need for external validation always as a people. It just looked like pressed hair and a suit jacket at one time. And so I feel that the the need for the external validation that we've always pushed back on this. It has just always looked different. And sometimes it looked like an Afro and sometimes it looked like baggy pants and sometimes it looks like tats. It's just that we as black people, I think, are aware that something is deeply wrong with the standards to which we're expected to be a, a to hold up, and so eventually, as young people, the fear, the lack of fear when you're young, makes you push back at it with a lot more, you know, umph. And maybe Zero, they push 100 real quick, and yeah. And maybe they push too far. Maybe there is such a thing as okay, you've pushed it too far. But the action of pushing, I want to be careful we don't quell that.
7: Are they pushing back? On the standards that they don't believe, are they just following the group and doing what's acceptable? Okay, I'm from Brooklyn. I rebel against everything. I rebel against left nostril breathing. (laughs) Come on, left nostril breathing. But are they pushing against it because their their freedom, their experience? Um, expressing their freedom and their choice? Are they just doing it because everybody else is doing it? And this is what I'm doing to be accepted. That's the part that concerns me.
5: Well, that's the scary part, right? Because I do think the difference between this new generation and ours is they're doing more permanent things to their bodies. Yeah, right. Because I do wonder. I do wonder what the older version of the BBL will look like, right? Like you do wonder. You know, after you have a whole bunch of ink on your face and your body, it just turns green, and you can't. After when you get old, you just can't even see what that used to be. So you yeah. got these. That's a great point with this generation. It's like they're doing more like permanent things, and then the attitudes. Oh, well, that's a whole nother. That's a. More Real Talk after the break.
2: Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos.
3: And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great.
2: Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list.
3: We'll also have guests join us Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangsta Chronicles.
0: I think everybody is allowed to have a preference, too. I mean, look, I like I, I love to see people dress. I, I guess the best way for me to say it is quirkily. <laughs> I like people with quirks, you know, um, that that is half is half uh, Nordstrom, I suppose, and and half thrift store, you know, where there's where they're adding creativity Um, I can I can take more creativity, like even if it's short and tight, if it's creative, I I can ride with it, you know, because you're you're putting you're putting yourself into this thing rather than this thing wearing you. And I like to see that, you know, that's what I that's what I like to see in my in my mentees. Um, But I ain't going to please everybody with my
7: thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) I just want them to be whole and healthy you know, I, I I know the things that I rebelled against growing up. I was a panther coming out of the Church of God in Christ. I was a black panther and an African dancer. I mean, these uh, are great so, things, Iyanla. They are, but back then it was, you know, to be a black panther back then, which is, that was a problem. It was dangerous. And, yeah, yeah. And also to, to be, uh, to really, people were f- fighting for, rights and everything, but they still had Afrophobia because, you know, you had those of us who were right. cultural nationalists and were into the culture right there in Philly and, and Brooklyn. I was in Brooklyn, you know, and were really expressing ourselves as Afri- descendants of Africans. And there were those who wanted to be free, but still wanted you to look white. So, you know, Mm. I had a quarter of an inch of hair on my head back in the 60s. You know,
5: that's that's going on at HBCUs right now on any every HBCU campus. School days continues to exist.
7: (laughs) If we're talking about
0: our our young women being whole and knowing that we all, you know, went through a, a stage or five, you know, to get where we are today, how would a young woman
7: know? that she wasn't whole. They know, though. They do know. They, I don't think we provide them with enough support to process it, work through it, do the work. And a lot of them want it. I talk to them all the time because they talk to me about relationships. So they know. I, I spoke at the orientation of a uh, HBCU recently, and it were about maybe, 800, 900 young people, first day of college. I had two, two experiences. One, a young man stood up. He was 33 years old, first time in college, because he grew up as a sex worker. Not, uh, um, he was trafficked. His mother was a drug addict. He was born into sex trafficking, and then he was trafficked. So at 18, when he should have been graduating school, he was being trafficked. And so at 33, he made the choice and the decision to come to college for the first time. He stood up in an audience of 900 people and said that. Now, my generation, you would have went to hell. You would have went to your grave holding that information. So he stood up and he spoke about it. The young people really supported him. And his question was, how do I clean myself of this. And he said the reason he was standing up was because he read, Yesterday I Cried. And I have the chapter in that book on my sexual violation. And he said when he read that, he knew that he could move forward. So to come to college the first day and see me just blew his brain. So, I mean, that's an example of how they are more advanced than than we are, and also uh, a cry for help. Another young woman stood up and spoke, and she said that she was uh, sexually violated at the age of five, told her parents about it by the time she was eight, and they didn't believe her, and nothing was ever done to the person. And as a result of that experience, she developed OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And she, you know, worked through it with therapists and stuff. She knows she still has it. But her biggest issue was trusting people. So how she her question to me was, how do I learn to trust people if I want to say something and tell them something without feeling like they're not going to believe me? And I said to her, aren't you brilliant? At eight years old, when your parents weren't ready to address that issue, your mind figured out something for you to focus on other than being raped. So it focused on what? Sheets, folds, towels, pillows. How wonderful is the mind? But now you don't need it. You don't need to shift your focus. You're choosing another way.
0: You've ushered a lot of us, oh, so many of us, to healing. the the process of healing, the thought about healing. You know, um, because black folks, you know, we just we just deal with stuff and we just keep pushing and we pioneer through, or we take the L and, and drink too much or smoke too much or screw too much or, you know, just trying to get through just to get by. You know, but you have been a beacon when it comes to, I'll say you and Queen Afua, um, when it comes to paying attention to yourself, pay attention to your spirit, pay attention to your to your thoughts, honoring your pain, because that's a, <laughs> anybody honoring no pain. You forget about pain, you ignore pain, you move on. You know, if you're if you're strong, you know, um, and I, I definitely, you know, I don't know how I, I bet you get your flowers all the time. But here's some more. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank I, you would, very I much. would love to
1: join in the flower giving, if I may go right ahead. You know, you gifted our mothers, many of our mothers with language that they really desperately needed. Mm-hmm. And I've sat in groups of women of my age group multiple times and discussed what books all our mamas had and all our mamas had acts of faith. Like all our mamas had this book. Like this was the book. Your mama, it's like, I know that you, my tribe, if your mama had for color girls on the bookshelf, (laughs) if she had acts of faith on the, on the bookshelf, if she had color purple on the bookshelf, it's like, it's like, a club of us, we understand a thing because our mothers understood a thing. So you gifted an ever going workbook and, and though many books would would follow that book gifted our mothers with something they had not had prior. And so for us now, we we had a thing. We had a thing. And, and, and that is a gift from from your mind and heart. I want to just kind of address what you said is that they know. With the whole idea of that, they know part of that is honoring that people are very are are self-aware to a degree. And that sometimes we have a tendency, especially I feel like when we get to our 40s to talk down to women in their 20s as if they don't know who they are to a degree. I mean, of course, they don't they have not pulled everything together, but there are some basic, very real things that they know that you kind of have to listen And honor what they're saying. And I feel so many of the women that I've met in their 20s feel belittled by us. They feel misunderstood, unheard, disrespected. And then on the other side, I hear women my age and older who feel unheard, disrespected by women in their 20s. So I'm just trying to figure out how can we mend how can we mend this thing? How can we bridge this gap? How can we do for these women what our mothers did for us when they read that book? Like, how can we pass on this language to them?
7: Your mom may have. My mom didn't. And my mom didn't have the language either. Mm-hmm. But your mom didn't have the social media. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you on the step. And I'm with Jill on the step of where the young people are. I'm on that step with you. And, and they are self-aware but they also self diagnosed, many of them. And some of the diagnosis that they come up with is I'm okay, this is okay. And it's not.
0: I have a, a piece of art um, that I got from Botswana years ago. It's a, a sculpture of a man who's bent all the way over, he's bent over in the front, and he's looking at his butt. And it's called self doctoring. <laughs>
7: Yeah, you know, you don't diagnosis is misdiagnosis and that's my concern. And then for me as an elder, I I don't look down. I don't um, challenge, but I do question and they are threatened by questions. See, in my generation, they ordered you better not. You better. Don't you? You don't you ever. Uh That's what I got. I think you all got some combination of why are you doing that? Right. (laughs) A and we one. got you better too. We got like a mix. A little
3: bit.
7: These young, my experience with many of them who are not self aware, if you question, make inquiry just to create conversation, they feel challenged and threatened, and they'll really come for you mm. in, in ways that are just not healthy.
0: There's a difference between observation and judgment too. Yeah, and oftentimes when when you you know, because I could I do really consider myself an anthropologist when it comes to the hosts,
4: oh. you
0: know, I do, I do, I, I think they're fascinating, and I, I will always feel this way. There's nothing that could ever stop me from finding that whole um, way of life completely fascinating. So I got love for, them, okay, mm-hmm. just just so so you know, because that's the, the observation and the judgment portion. Because we're not twenty-five, we're not in, we're not eighteen. You know, I'm fifty. You know, my my friends here are in their forties. You know, and
7: seventy on Wednesday. What? Come
0: on, I can't tell.
1: What, uh-huh. do is, what we do on here is we love a September baby, amen. Oh, don't we? <laughs> yes, we
7: do.
5: Oh, that makes her it a Virgo. Is.
7: Yes, I am a Virgo. Straight up neurotic and crazy as hell. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up, young. Straight <laughs> <laughs> yeah. up neurotic and crazy as hell, a September 13th baby. we love mm-hmm. to see it. I'm September 25th.
5: Okay. Oh, you Libra.
1: I am. Born the same day as
0: Bell Hooks.
5: (laughs) Just make sure them scales balance.
0: Well, look at that. Wait a minute. Okay, Laya, who were you born the same day as?
5: George Burns and Questlove.
7: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, there's a mix for y'all. How about you, Iyanla? It's me, Tyler Perry, and Tavis Smiley, all born on the same day. What? That's a wholesome wholesome share.
5: Y'all know who (laughs) I was born (laughs) on the same day, right?
0: but those are the ones I know. <laughs> now, who you got to? I only need one, but it's more than that, but me and Maya Angelou. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. yes. Close enough.
1: I add one, too. It's me, Bell Hooks, and Will Smith. I oh. think
5: Pharrell. I think, on I think Pharrell's
7: on so you the you better team. keep them
5: scales balanced. You better keep them scales
1: balanced. <laughs> I try to. I try to. I have slapped a few people in my life, but hey. And I believe I believe they earned I'm reform, it I'm a reform I'm a reform that.
5: slapper no you they earned it and I only know because my mother is born on Asia's birthday as well <laughs> keep them scales balanced
0: it's just just having us make sure to not be finite in our thinking when it comes to our young people you know um, and and being open to them how do you how do you get mentors how does it happen for you Iyama?
7: I have mentored one person in my life because the way my schedule is and the things that I have to do, if I can't be fully present in the relationship, I would never, I, I wouldn't do it. So I got one about a year ago. She's an indigenous woman in Yale Divinity School. Oh. Uh, and she has been around in my on my radar for a while and she was coaching with one of my faculty people, one of my faculty members. Um, You know, I have a school where I do train coaches and ministers and I do personal development. She came to me through uh, one of my faculty members and I've been working with her um, at Yale Divinity School, but that's the only one I've ever had because I just, I couldn't be present. You know, I was working 12, 14 hours a day when I was doing the show or flying all over the place. And now I'm kind of semi-retired. Um, so I may do more of it. I'm I'm not really sure. You have a school full of mentees. Well, yeah. I just don't teach them all. Yeah. But the foundation school. is the same. Yeah. yeah. But I was in the bathroom yesterday, not on the toilet or anything, just there. And if you were. <laughs> I don't want y'all to think I was speaking about my personal uh, re- release activities. no. And and I got this idea. There's there's a workshop that I've done for many, many years, Rites of Passage, where I take women through the rites of passage for their tribe. And your tribe is your age. 20 tribe, 30 tribe, 40 tribe, 50 tribe, 60 tribe. Um, And I do it in a week in person. And yesterday I really heard Take This Online. I think women would attend if it were accessible to them that way, because that's one of the concerns that I got at Fashion Week. And as women, we're so conditioned to do things the way men do them. And we really don't get our womanhood training anymore because our lives are so different. So many of us don't live with our grandmas. So many of us don't have aunties. When I grew up and grandma got sick, you didn't put her in the home. She came in the spare bedroom and you went to the sofa. (laughs) You know, or you had aunties that you would listen to and they would check you and that kind of stuff. And each tribe of women... Each tribe, your 20s, your 30s, each of us have a lesson, a vision, a mission and a purpose and a blessing that supports us in our growth and development. I think too many women are growing up on the Internet. They see things on the Internet. They hear things. And, and like you said earlier, one of the things that concerned me at Fashion Week were the number of women who have done permanent things to their body. On on Fix My Life, I work with a beautiful, beautiful young sister who had gotten um all black market but enhancements that went bad and ruined her body. So I saw a lot of that yesterday. My former makeup artist went and had liposuction and something. The anesthesiologist wasn't um, licensed. She ended up in a coma and then rehab. And that beautiful young woman at thirty something now is walking on a cane. I
5: really didn't know how common it was, Yana, until I was talking to two of my girlfriends who are considered—I mean, earthy of sorts—and they both individually told me they had lipo and they had things. And
8: I was like, really?
7: I just didn't even know it was in my my tribe. Well, lipo is one thing. I, I don't have no issue with sucking this fat out so I can continue to eat my grits. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> that. Really? So cause ain't it doesn't that, uh, isn't that the beginning of the spiral? No, absolutely not. Sometimes you have lipo because you may have lost weight and you have those lumpy things, or you had a baby. Or, you know, the body just isn't responding quick enough to diet and exercise. I'm not talking about that.
0: They don't talk about the recovery either. Nobody ever does. It's like you disappear for a week and you come back snatched and nobody even ever talks about pain or medication or, you know, if something doesn't heal properly. Like, they're really not talking about it like I feel like they should be talking
5: We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back.
2: Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos.
3: And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great.
2: Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list.
3: Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangsta Chronicles.
3: Side.
1: just I maintain all the time that I feel like mostly we're just dealing with a situation where the traumas are the same. They just have access to different things to address it. It's like I don't feel these girls are any more traumatized than any of us were around our self view and who we are. They just have access to things to change it in different ways and change it, disguise we, we- it.
7: That's well, it. yeah,
1: disguise it right or process it or whatever it is they're going to do. But the thing is that if... It's like now when we talk about violence, okay? So Philly is on fire right now as a lot of different cities are. And we're all talking about how these kids are so violent and they so violent. i really, they're not any more violent than any person ever was. What is happening is this is a response to the ongoing and constant generational same crap that we've all dealt with over and over and over again. And Um, The threshold and access to weapons and the threshold for which each generation loses less and less threshold for enduring this mess. It is just for me, I feel like this. This is where I feel. How can we expect for young people to respect life when everything around them? And I'm not going to immediately point to the media. I'm going to say they live in a country that don't respect life. They live and, and interact with systems every day that don't want them to live. Period. And make it very difficult to do so. I mean, very difficult. If Serena Williams can barely, who is a who is a multimillionaire, can barely survive childbirth, then what does that say about Keisha or Monique or Tasha? You understand what I'm saying? What does that say about them? How easy is it for them to die under the guise of healthcare, under the guise of not having access? And it's just for me, that in and of itself is violence on them. So if you're experiencing violence every single day, then I don't know, would you not be violent? Would you not be violent? And everyone on this call is privileged. Every person on this call has a, has privilege in a way. And we, though we are experiencing the same violence, we are not experiencing that violence at the level to which so many of our
7: brothers and sisters are, period. Word. Well, I think the privilege that I had, I can't speak for anybody else, was there was, even though it was sketchy at times and even though it didn't cover everything that I needed, in my life there were conversations because there were dinner tables, not styrofoam boxes in my lap. there were um family activities and events, even though you had to you know avoid certain individuals at those things. but there were conversations, and now there's recordings and there's social media, and there's fill in the blank to me that's a form of violence to force people into unknown territories and situations to have someone in a situation where they need information and they can't even have human contact mm. to me. Oh yeah.
5: yeah. Every day is coming into more clarity that like people are lacking social interaction and it's literally just on that computer. And what are the things that happen after you don't know how to interact socially? Cause I'm with you, Asia. I wasn't saying that there aren't reasons for why we don't respect life. It's, everybody it's it's a whole bunch of reasons. However, it is what it is. It's still getting worse. And that's one of the it reasons feels heavy. The kids, the kids can't socially yeah. interact.
0: Everything yeah. feels heavy. And they don't really it know how it feels to. Heavy.
8: That's what it is because
0: they don't know. How yeah, to. yeah. It feels mm-hmm. heavy for, for us and we are privileged, you know, it mm-hmm. feels, I I, I know, <laughs> you know, we're paying attention to society. We're paying attention to our children, what they're watching and what they're doing and what they're listening to drill music I just got introduced to last night and Mm -hmm. I didn't know what, 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 what is that? (laughs) So basically it's a very, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a chant. It's like chant music and they're talking about someone who has passed someone who's died violently and how they're going to die violently. And then that person dies violently. And they're talking about the next person who's going to die violently. And it just seems like this, this whole, uh, I, 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 <laughs> I you wow, baby. Wow. I wasn't, I wasn't ready either. I didn't know it existed, but it does. I so, it does. It did exist. And
7: then because we don't talk, we don't know. I didn't, I didn't know that.
0: Where is I had it? No idea.
7: On the radio, Every, so um, everywhere. Yeah, that too. Yeah, that too.
0: YouTube, social drill media, music. Like- is that what it's called? I got it right. Like, is it's drill music or is it called drill?
1: It is.
5: you should look. I'm looking at Asia. Like she know better than me. She got the, the kids. Uh- well, no,
1: I I don't know anything about this. But I will say this much: that I want to reiterate this this thing about conversations, because that right there, yes, that that bless my heart. Because conversations and talking is so important and communicating with each other is so important. And, and even the talking, like right now, we're talking about this drill music thing, right? The, the four of us are talking about it. But um, a lot of times, by the time we start talking about it, the kids done moved on. They like we don't even we don't even do that no more <laughs> no. y'all late <laughs> <laughs> to do it, stay late <laughs> we definitely ain't dealing with it if y'all talking about it we don't even want mm. nothing to do with it so i think again and and this has been a i've i've, I've heard y'all re- repeat this multiple times while we've been talking about conversations that she's having with people i'm Uh talking to people Uh and i'm and and that is just important like if we're gonna if we're gonna talk we can't just talk to each other all the time we got to be talking to people from all kinds of different backgrounds and everybody who people have had different experiences than we have from different age groups and that that generational conversation those opportunities to interact with with youth, with elders. Those opportunities are so few and far in between. And that that's what I'm hoping like maybe we could bring, that we could kind of pull from this particular, well, what I've pulled from this, this what's on your heart is that if we're going to bridge these gaps then we need to be talking. And not just having language for things, but sharing it. Because what what use is it if we have these things and this knowledge and we can't share it and we can't communicate with each other? You know what I mean? And 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 the more you communicate with people, the more comfortable they become. Because that, that offishness, that feeling like, I don't want you to question me, is that not some sort of distrust? A yeah. distrust that comes from other interactions they've had with elders who they... Shouldn't have trusted, who have hurt them, who may have done things to harm them and told them things that were wrong. So I think it's about creating trust. You know what I mean? And that trust that happens over time. That's just not an overnight thing
7: and when you're when you're traumatized and all of us have some level of trauma, I think the new levels of trauma that people are experiencing uh, are easier to camouflage or dismiss or dis you know cover up. But when you are traumatized and when you are, have a trauma response, and I think in many ways in this society, we have normalized trauma. We've normalized it. We've made it okay. And and that does diminish trust. And it does keep you from speaking out. Um, and so, like the young woman said, she was sexually violated from five to eight and told her parents and they didn't believe her. What was there not to believe about that? What was there? She, I, I just, I'm, I don't believe that somebody didn't get they behind with. That's what I, I don't believe. But anyway, well, they, that's out. People don't, yeah. don't, don't spank
0: their children anymore. Uh, some people, I don't know them, but <laughs> some, a lot of people don't, you know, I don't spank my kids. It, it, it feels like a lot of people say. I ain't that. spanked the butt in years. Well, nor have I. But
7: uh, in years, you don't have to. Yeah. But still the the fact that we're OK with the fact that our children walk around. Traumatized and we don't even know it. Hmm. We, don't, we don't even know.
0: It does feel like war it is war it feels it like is. war on the spirit where yeah. we've been separated from each other i know that i don't like to go out as much as i used to i don't like i don't like so many people as, as you know too much too often you know i'll do it sometimes but i got to gear up to do it
3: <laughs> you know
0: what i mean i got to gear up um i noticed just recently last night With my family, we eat dinner together every night and we put our phones down. You know, nobody's allowed to pick up their phone while we have a meal and we have conversations. And I love us talking. But I I really didn't realize that we had not been touching and agreeing while we pray. Mm. I was like, oh, how did we forget this important portion, this touching each other?
5: Holding hands.
0: Yes, like the hand holding portion, the touching and agreeing portion, the gratefulness together portion. Mm-hmm. And I, I I'm real disappointed in myself, you know. It happens. Yeah, yeah. And and all it the happens. adults that live in the house with with, with us. Like what were we doing? When, but I feel like the
1: gathering that, that matters
0: up? is that gathering. Like
1: it's the gathering. I think sometimes it's like, oh, we going out. You know, that's a that's that arbitrary gathering that sometimes is OK, but that's not really the important gathering. The gathering is that those times when you can talk and and remember to touch and agree and that kind of that kind of energy. I mean, just for me, but I'm going to say this, too, because I feel like I don't want to skip past it. What When Iyanla said about not knowing your kids are traumatized and being OK with that, I just want to address that real quick, because that that's so real. Kids learn real early how to perform for you. And they know when you're going to respond and they know how you're going to respond and the nuances of your responses. So they know sometimes how you're going to respond to their vulnerability without even trying it with you. They've observed you with uh, with other kids or other people. They know when you're not ready to hear the truth that they're trying to share. And kids will perform okayness, perform wellness. Like, for example, you have a lot of kids that are highly traumatized, but they got good grades.
7: Yes, that's right.
1: They're highly traumatized, but they're real well-mannered. Yeah. And, and, and parents will check them off on the box. Because as long as you, you clean, you dress
0: nice, you, grades are good, you're all right. Got manners, you don't embarrass
7: me. Not only are you all right, but you're not a problem for me. Uh-huh. It's it's not, you You may not be all right, but you ain't making nothing else for me to do. You're not a problem for me. So as long as you got the grades and you are obedient and you do what I say do, I'm not looking at the fact that you wear long sleeves all the time now because you're cutting or that you there's something else going on. I'm not, because I'm not, I'm one of those kids that grew up where I was most of the time the healthiest person in the room because the big people were stark out of their damn minds, traumatized and all sorts of other things. But I learned, just as you said, I was great in school. I was mannerable. I was helpful. I was all of those stuff. and 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 crazy as hell crazy. And, and when I say that, I say that very lovingly. I don't mean I had a mental health illness. <laughs> I mean that I was, I was living in total trauma and breakdown, but I wasn't a problem. I didn't pose a problem. I didn't require anything additional. There was nothing anybody had to do for me. So they just left me there. Is
0: that the way to go? Is that the way to go? Yeah. I'm I'm just asking. Is is that the way to go? If you're going to have a, a lot of trauma in your life that you're not problematic to others?
7: Uh, well, it becomes problematic later on if you don't get it handled. It sure. becomes problematic for you later on.
0: I think, I think a lot of young people probably feel that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I got a lot going on, a lot of hurt in my life. But if I just keep it on a straight and narrow and don't cause any problems then I'm golden.
7: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I always say, you want the truth? <laughs>
1: uh, see, the problem with that is that when you do find a child who is willing, who is going to show you, I'm I'm fucked up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, when you have a kid that's like, uh-uh, and you're going to see me, you're going to see me. The problem with when you don't pay attention to the child who's well-behaved is that then you start comparing those two children. Why can't you be like so-and-so? They all right. They grew up in the same household with you. How come y'all not? You know, and that's the problem. Well, I feel like that's been an, an issue with parents like myself and other parents that I know who are my age as we do share with each other. That this is this is a thing how to how to look at your young person and hear and see them especially since we all been kind of trained and told this is a good kid this is a bad kid and even down to what we talked about earlier this is a good young lady and this is a problematic young lady and I want us to be careful with that because I just know. And I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen it with my own children. I've seen it with my my friend's children. I've seen it with community members and kids that I've worked with. And I'm like, we missing this. We are really missing the
7: mark on this. Part of the reason is because there are so many of us, and particularly in that, I would say like 35 to up to maybe 48, 47, that we don't know that we we haven't honored our trauma. We haven't witnessed our own. Yet, when we see young people, we don't know how to be present with them in their trauma or pain because ours is so raw. And usually in the human consciousness, the human psyche, if you don't know what to do about something, it's easier for it not to be there. So you'll act like you don't see what you see, hear what you hear, because you don't want to see it because you don't know what to do about it. You don't know what to do about it. Many mothers who've been sexually abused don't want to hear that their daughters were sexually abused because they don't know what to do about it. They either want to fight or kill or, you know, get the police involved or whatever. So sometimes they'll act like it's not there. Um, and, and, And we blame and project. So. Uh, again, I think conversations are important, and when you have that revelation, like you had, Mr. Jill, when you had that, oh my God, we're not touching and agreeing, we're not holding hands. What was I thinking? Come on, y'all, let's touch and agree, let's hold hands. Sometimes you don't have to do a deep dive psychological process on everything. It comes up when it's supposed to come up. You become aware when you become aware. The the situation can you respond in a self-supportive, self-honoring, self-loving way? That also supports everybody else. So the fact that y'all were eating together, that's good. (laughs) Now it's time to connect. (laughs) Maybe it wasn't time before.
5: More conversation after this break.
2: Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list.
4: its enduring impact today gangster chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely american art form we dive into the socio-cultural aspects the gangster rap boldly addressed from police brutality to systemic racism offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds listen to the gangster chronicles on the black effect podcast network iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast let's go
0: you know what I think, friends, Status. I think that there is a space for game. You know, everybody's like, "Oh, put me up on game." I think there's there's there's, there's supposed to be some game that we're we're handing out to our, our young people. Like, for instance. If this is this, I'm going. I'm going where we started with the with the clothing. If you're going to to dress scantily, how's that? Um, because you've been blessed with this beautiful figure. Oh, I remember having that myself. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, the days. Um, (laughs) that you know how to fight. Hmm? Mm Hmm. That you you know how to uh, protect oneself uh, in any way that you possibly can, that you know how to listen to your intuition that says, don't go into this room, that you know how to um, protect yourself, basically. You know, uh, I feel like there's a trade-off here because they're they're still sheeps. They're they're little, little lambs out in the world with a bunch of wolves. So how best to if you're going to to do these things then you need to know how to protect yourself. I want you to know how to fight. I want you to know how to disable. That that sounds like a good plan to me. I mean it's I, I there's no way for me. I see your face, Adrian. There's I no way you. for I, me. I love you. Solve I love you and I love you. But I want you to solve? know that the the likelihood of you being
1: attacked is just as high when you have on sweatpants. That's right. So if everybody, if if you have to learn how to fight because you're wearing a tube top, you better learn how to fight whether you're wearing a full-on winter coat and everything else, too, because this is the thing. Listen, I got four daughters. Listen, I got four daughters, okay? And I have been through, and we talked about this on the podcast, I've been through these conversations, been through them. And I've had to think about my value around it and what I'm saying to my daughters and the implications of what I'm saying to my daughters. And absolutely there's going to be places where just the same way it's appropriate to wear a coat when it's cold, there's it's appropriate dress for places that you might go or want to do things. I've actually even heard, I, my daughter loves a crop top, honey. She's 20 years old. She loves a crop top, loves a crop top. We were supposed to be going out to lunch and I heard her friend say, "Dia." dear, no crop tops today I've heard her own friend check her on the crop top love you hear me so i'm saying that it's not that we can't help our young people to understand you know being able to f- to do things in a way that's diverse and able to fit in in lots of different places or see themselves outside of just trying to belong i, I don't it's not that i don't think that that's valuable but we got to be super careful what kind of messages we're sending them about that and about them knowing who they are and being able to express that and being free to express that and not putting something on them and saying they're responsible for some sort of oncoming trauma. That's not what I'm saying.
0: of that, That, you know? That's not not what I'm saying. I know it's not what you're saying, but it had that sound to it. I'm so sorry that it did, but that is not my intention. I'm saying that if you're going to wear high heels, somebody's got to teach you how to walk in them. You Fair. know what I'm saying? I'm saying that um, that our young women need to know how to protect themselves, period. So they can wear what they want to wear because we know that the world is sick. They're not they're, they're They're out there in the jungle. These these folks, old and young, are not well. So they need to know how to protect themselves. Like, what is game? How do we prepare them? How do we let these birds out of this nest so they can fly as best as we possibly can? How do fair, we do that? Fair, fair, But how do we protect them
7: when the enemy is Uncle Boo Boo? Or my boyfriend? Yes. Nowadays, auntie's girlfriend. Yes. Uh, you know, how do we protect them from that? And, and what's the gain that we have to give them to, to manage that? Yes. Absolutely. When they, do, when, when they do encounter that level of trauma, because, I, 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 you know, it's right in your home, like the young woman uh, and the parents didn't know what to do, so they did act like it didn't happen. When they do encounter that kind of trauma, And being scantily clad uh, or tatted or you know locked, naturaled isn't it is its the way that they hide their pain. Hmm. What what do we do then? Address the pain. Right? Well, But you gotta have conversation. You gotta be intimate. You gotta know that it's there. Listen, my grandson my great grandson is 4 he'll be 5 on the 20th of this month and the first 2 years of his life were so traumatic really my and this is my grandson's son and i'm looking at it you know yalambanzan i'm not immune to family drama or hysteria and so he's 4 and you, if you, if, if, if the, the trauma that this kid experienced that by the time he was two is, you know, unbelievable. And so now at four going into five, he has an issue trusting adults. And no matter what you say to him, he don't believe you. We're going to do so-and-so or, okay, this is a bag of beads. No, it's not. Yes, it is, baby. Look, it's a bag of beads. No, no, it's not a bag of beads. What is it? I don't know, but it's not that. <laughs> so my old school ear was like, this kid is being disrespectful. You is this a bag of beats? because I said it's a bag of beats. Don't you talk back to me? And then I realized, oh, my God, he doesn't trust adults. He doesn't trust what's being said to him. He doesn't trust that people are telling him the truth. He doesn't trust. So, you know, that's why he ended up in my kitchen because, you know, great granny, yay, yay. I've got, to un, I've got to support him in unraveling that. But how many people don't have the skills, the tools, the desire? You know, we're so busy trying to get friends and likes. We don't have the desire to interact and be intimate and have conversation and pay attention to what's going on. Because at four I've got to do it at four and five because that in the street, that'll get him shot when they pull him over in his car. And he's, like, I ain't stopping. There's the violence first against him. And then, so, you know, it's quite complicated. Lots of reasons for us to continue to drink coffee and smoke happy flowers.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I'm always looking for solutions. I'm always Mm -hmm. trying to find a, trying to think what, what is the thing, you know, it could be multiple things, but your books, your presence, your energy, your consistency have been a blessing to us. You've given us gigantic uh, platforms to jump off of and, and fly. And that is definitely and most sincerely appreciated. I'm, I'm asking for the game book, ma'am.
4: <laughs> I got some game too, for you. Me
7: too, me too, me too, me too. I'm asking for the game book. I'm going to do it in rites of passage because the 20-year-olds game is different from the 30-year-olds. Nice. And the 30-year-olds is different from the 50-year-old. At 70, I got to remember the game. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that I only, I, can play it. I only have a philosophy about work
0: in the <laughs> in the ages, but that's it. Okay. The the twenties you work hard. Yeah. The thirties you work smart. Yeah. The forties you work how you want to. The fifties are for working when you want to. And the sixties are for working if you want to. <laughs> yeah. I only I only know the work part. That's the only part that I came up with. And to me, yeah. I feel like that's game for somebody who's who's interested in working. Right. So I feel like there has to be game for other things as well.
7: Like well, there's you know. game for speaking, you know. Mm-hmm. But we'll, t- we'll talk about that. I'm gonna let you know when I get rites of passage together so you can get in your tribe. Thank you so much. I'm trying to Can I
1: make a reservation for my tribe please? I Absolutely. I don't
7: know.
1: I don't have no game. I just want some.
0: Okay. <laughs> I don't know how much it costs, but I got $67. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I will save until then. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you.
7: It's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so, so much. And, you know, I'm right down the road on Shondaland on the R spot every Wednesday. So listen in. Absolutely. Absolutely.
5: How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time.
6: Hey, listeners, it's Amber, the producer of J.ill here. Ianla is an icon for healing. I want to encourage you all to check out her new podcast on the Shondaland Network, The R Spot. Each week, she invites callers to share their personal relationship issues during live sessions to help inspire, grow, and guide them and other listeners to do the work towards healing. I'll drop a link to The R Spot in the show notes.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hi, if you have comments on something we said in this episode, call 866-HEY-JILL. If you want to add to this conversation, that's 866-439-5455. Don't forget to tell us your name and the episode you're referring to. You might just hear your message on a future episode.
6: Thank you for listening to Jill Scott Presents J.ill The Podcast.